Do you want me to not say our first metal band? No, no. Well, coming up, Metallica, and then I, I have a little interjection that I've been working on. And I don't know if it's going to work. But okay, loads of- cool. So I shouldn't say our first metal band? And then, then you can follow it up with <laughs> okay. our first metal band. Right. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasolo and Kirik McMillan. Hey, sorry we're coming at you a little late here. Uh, turns out that schedules have gotten in the way of things. I think between the... Last recording in this one, you I've been to Vegas twice, once with you. Yeah, for like 15 days you were out there, right? <laughs> no, I was out there for five, but That's I a had... a long time to be out in fucking Vegas. <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. I had three before that somewhere else, so it was an eight straight day road trip, which <sighs> is more than I care to typically have, and more than I typically have. I love Vegas, but man, that is a grimy eight days. It is, and going there twice in the same month is... Yeah, it's not... <laughs> can't be good for the liver. <laughs> No, or the soul. <laughs> Did you leave your liver out there to dry out? <laughs> I hung it out the plane window. It just flapped behind me. Just sit it on a, on a rock in the desert. <laughs> I'll be back next year for that. <laughs> uh, we'd like to welcome Vietnam, Algeria, Uruguay, and Papua New Guinea to the program. Serbia today, too. Serbia? Yeah. All right, I missed one. Welcome, Serbia. I'd like to give a shout out to our Pennsylvania idiot, Steve Rice, who messaged me on Facebook. We appreciate the kind words and for sharing our Fleetwood Mac episode on your social media. If you guys are listening, you too can join the 600 some odd Facebook followers we have and see what ridiculousness we are willing to share with you. Fleetwood Mac, red hot. Red Hot. Red Hot. Climbing the charts. <laughs> it is. Climbing the charts. I think we uh, we peaked in Ireland as well. Oh, fantastic. That's right. Uh, speaking of this show, I caught two of my fantasy concert lineup bands this summer. Two that I hadn't seen before. I saw Garbage a couple months ago when they opened for Tears for Fears, and I just saw The Fix. Man, what a great show that would have been. <laughs> I should. It was on like a Tuesday night, right? It was a Tuesday night. I can't go on a school night. Yeah, it's totally irresponsible. It was. Uh, it was good. I thought actually garbage was a little better, but the fix there. There was there was some good stuff. He's got to be mid seventies. Yeah, he's getting up there. Yeah. It was still fun though. <laughs> actually, Franz Ferdinand. I saw them earlier this summer too. They were fucking great. But I haven't named them as a fantasy concert lineup yet. So it doesn't count. That's right. I can't name them now because I've seen them. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's your. That's your little game that you play with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to play it. <laughs> Coming up, Metallica. Yeah! <laughs> it's our first metal band, right? That's right. Yeah. Our very first metal band. I guess we should get that out of the way. Like, neither of us are metalheads. No. 
Although we both liked Alice in Chains, and I heard a lot of similarities here, but I've got some comments on that later. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the conversation about Megadeth and Dave Mustaine. I don't know enough about it. I'm not going to comment on it. Dave Mustaine went his own way, and Metallica went their own way, and it looks like they're all millionaires. So right. I, what's, I don't know what the complaints are. Early in the process, too. Yeah, right away. Uh, Mustaine was, was out of there. Too sweet. Peace Cells came out right around the same time that... Um, Kill Em All. Kill Em All did, right? Right. right. I think so. I think so. Again, this is my limited knowledge of Megadeth, so let's move on to Metallica. Metallica. Formed in Los Angeles in 1981. The first album, Kill Em All, was in 1983. These guys kind of fell under the category of goofy metal band names for me. Not quite Halloween or Metal Church. <laughs> Halloween! <laughs> I love that. But it's, Metal Church. It's like it's like naming a band bluesiness or soft rockadoo. I mean, it's... It, oh, come on. Get out of here. Metallica is one of the great <laughs> band names there is. You out of your mind? This is the same genre that spurned the Metal Militia. <laughs> it's Militia. <laughs> militia. I prefer to pronounce it's a it. a jackass with a helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, the Metal Mag, Kerrang. Well, let me... Let me <laughs> So how did you, how were you introduced to Metallica? Through you guys. You know, the, the group of guys I was hanging out with in high school. Uh, I want to say it was Master of Puppets uh-huh. was the first intro I had. Right. Although when I heard Ride the Lightning, I knew so much from that album, undoubtedly from Tony's basement. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Tony is our friend. You can listen to our Alice in Chains episode if you'd like further references to Tony. Hey, Tony. And who doesn't? That's right. Really? I, I reference them once a day, just to myself. Yeah, I'm just amazed at how much I knew from that album without actually having owned it. Yeah, I can tell you specifically the specific time that I was introduced to Metallica. Okay. So we both have a mutual friend that is a little older than us, graduated high school well before us and went to college first. He was the first one of us to go to college. He went down to Southern Illinois University, mm-hmm. and that is a fucked up school. <laughs> fucked up in all the right ways. Well, it certainly was then. Yeah. And this guy, for me, I grew up with him, and like he was always kind of like the, the, the one that I looked up to the most, because he was like the smoothest motherfucker I knew. And when he came back from college, it was like so much more. Like he was a college kid, and he just came back with just like this air about it. It was like, wow, this is. Like, and he's, and he basically was like, we were we were with um, you know a, a larger group. You might have even been there that night. And he's like, have you heard this fucking song? And it was Master of Puppets. We uh, we turned on this song, and from the very first moment that it hit, I was like, "This is something I've never heard before." All right. Like, I was just, for sure, never heard before. Because I was like, you know, we were still, I was into Def Leppard and everything like that, but this is completely different. And then his lyrics, and that's the cool thing about Metallica is that his lyrics are so clearly, easily listened to. In some songs. Yeah, but that song in particular is like, man, what is he? He's talking about like, what, cocaine and master and like giving over your life to everything. It's like, this is like the first band that really like awakened like a dark side in me. Like, I agree. It was right at the right time. That song, that album had a big impact. Uh, I had a lot of fun doing this podcast and, and listening to the catalog for this. I haven't air drummed this much in years. Oh, I loved going through this catalog. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was yeah. fun. And I realized how big a fan of these guys I was. Mm-hmm. And then how quickly I was no longer really a fan of theirs. And there's a few reasons for that. 
we'll probably get to that. Let's let's cruise through their catalog really quickly. In '83, they they knock it off with "Kill 'Em All," but like that that album missed me completely. I didn't even know that there was a band Metallica in 1983. I was still listening to Prince and Madonna and Michael Jackson at that right. time. And then they followed up with "Ride the Lightning" in '84. But it's really Master of Puppets in '86 that that's where they get their first commercial play, probably if at all. Not even. No, they really didn't get a whole lot of airplay off that album. It wasn't until a little later that they they started to get more time on the radio with with songs that had been edited down, which pissed them off. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, Kill 'Em All, originally called Metal Up Your Ass, which was a great T-shirt when you saw guys wearing that. The bloody knife in the hand coming out of the toilet. (laughs) I guess the, uh, the record company said, no, no, you can't do that, because all the retailers said, we're not carrying a ba- uh, an album called Metal Up Your Ass. <laughs> and Cliff Burton got so pissed off that he said, fuck it, we should just kill them all. And history was made. Nice. Nazareth Puppets begins with probably the best one, two, three, four punch that I could call. Sure. Like, Battery, Master, The Thing That Should Not Be, and then Sanitarium. Right. Like, those are all these face melters. Right. It's awesome. And then they rolled into Justice. Now, they had Garage Days in there as well, Mm -hmm. which wasn't bad. Uh, It actually has a better mix than Justice. One of Jason Newstead, the former bass player of Metallica, one of his complaints was he was dropped down in the mix in Justice, and it's shockingly clear. Evidence. Yeah, though, no, they just unplugged his bass from the board. Basically. Like, he's, there's no bass there. Right. And, and somebody gifted Lars a double bass drum for, for his birthday, and he got a lot of use out of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and when he complained about it, the other guys in the band, notably Ulrich and Hetfield, came back, because they were the co-producers on, mm-hmm. on these albums. Those guys came back and they said, look, your bass lines were mirroring the rhythm guitar lines and so you got covered up. Eh, Not really, because that happens a lot in metal and you can hear them pretty clearly on Justice. In later... On uh, Garage Days. Yeah, in later interviews, Hetfield and Ulrich are very kind of like conciliatory towards Newstead. They they have said as much like, listen, we fucked that guy around. We gave him a lot of shit that he didn't deserve. It was a lot of our alcoholism, a lot of our other issues going on with the band, and he, and he carried the brunt of it. The, the Justice mix was was purposefully. We knew it was going to piss him off. Like They're very kind of like open about it now. There's a lot of therapy that those guys have gone yeah, through I agree. as a band and right. singularly as people. And, uh, you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for Papa Het and, and the whole band but yeah you hear at Newstead now and he's kind of like it's it's nice to hear those guys come around and finally tell like the truth of what happened there and why I left the band right right yeah they rolled out of Justice and three years later put out the Black Album well it was called Metallica but everybody refers to it as the Black Album and now they've brought in a new co-producer so these albums are produced by Ulrich and Hetfield the Black Album they brought in Bob Rock great fucking name for a producer absolutely I mean, Bob Rock is another one of these superstar producers that they brought in because they knew that while Justice had extraordinary commercial success for them, they toured on it for like three years. Right. And but they're like, well, we, we're evolving into a different type of band, and you know, thrash metal is kind of like that's the bread and butter there. That was evident on Justice, you know, um, and and on Master, but the Black Album they evolved into a different type of band. Yeah, a better yeah, band yeah. that I I can tell from all of my senses. Well, and if you look at Bob Rock's catalog, I mean, I, there must have been sixty albums at least oh, in this yeah. list from '79 all the way through to '21. Mm-hmm. 
Some big ones, too. The Colts, Sonic Temple. Yeah, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, Cruz, Dr. Feelgood. David Lee Roth's A Little Ain't Enough. But he also did, like, Brian Adams and The Tragically Hip and Nelly Furtado. I mean, this guy wasn't just, a like, a metal vein or a hard rock vein kind no, of guy. No, he had pop ears, too. Yeah, yeah. So he knew what would sell. He knew kind of, like, the, the different tweaks to the sound that he needed to get out of Metallica to make them even more commercially viable. And lo and behold, the, the Black Album was a huge hit. Huge it hit. was a monster hit. And Went like 16 times platinum. Yeah, and swimming in the sea of all the grunge that exploded right in their face. And really, the Black Album and Octung Baby are the only ones really that survive and can hold a candle to the grunge movement. Sure. They're the only ones that kind of held back, you know, the, the walls of like, you know, that type of music. Uh, against those guys and they they stood toe to toe with them and and, you know were invited to Lollapalooza on the first uh, go around that's that's right I saw them I saw that album toured in 91 I don't think it was part of a Lala tour I think it was I thought that was just them I may be wrong it was a hell of a show it was fun to see. I mean, I, we're not going to talk about like the albums after the Black Album. You have Load and Reload in the the, the mid and, and late nineties. Saint Anger is kind of where Bob Rock came back to produce their album, and it was just not a lot of good output there. Right. Death Magnetic in two thousand eight is kind of forgettable. They pulled a number of Grammys though, and a lot of them yeah. were post Black. Oh yeah, they yeah. Pulled well, eight Grammys on eighteen nominations. Yeah, that's pretty good work for a speed metal band. Fleetwood Mac had two. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. What is your honorable mention? Well, I got two honorable mentions here. One off of the Death Magnetic album. I always check out Metallica's new shit just to see what they're up to. I don't expect a whole lot from them. I think their best days are behind them. Certainly not as performers, though. They put on a hell of a show this summer, man. It was, it was pretty rocking. But then on Death Magnetic, they have a, a song called The Day That Never Comes, which is a really good kind of like traditional Metallica. got kind of like that pixies vibe almost slow melodic and then they punch you in the face and then they go back to slow melodic and then they punch you in the face it's kind of a flipped version of that and this is a good example of that in their later days yeah yeah i did not enjoy those later albums all that much i did listen to that catalog up until a certain point when they brought in the orchestra it was like what are you doing i got a comment on that we'll save it for later my other honorable mention is off of the Load album called King Nothing.
James's lyrics are awesome. I thought the chorus to that tune was great. Yeah, it's great. It's it's very much mainstream compared to their other stuff. Yeah, but it works. It works just yeah. the same as Black worked. But it's just like a good hard rock song. The lyrics are on a different level. Like you know, the, the, the Where's Your Crown King? Nothing, right? That's awesome. Yeah, hey, you know, I love it. The child's poem in the middle is a little odd, but yeah, you know, other than that, <laughs> he does that a lot, though. I mean, he, he did he, it in Sandman. He did it in Sandman. All right, my honorable mention. I am going back to Garage Days Revisited, the album that fell between Master and Justice. And the song is The Small Hours. There's a really good, clean groove to this, and I, I kind of wanted to pick a song off of this album because the mix with Newstead is so much better than it is with Justice. And it is a kind of a classic sound. It's not necessarily the heavy thrash that you heard from Kill 'Em All, but it's it's good. It's it's not unlike an Alice in Chains sound, uh, which makes sense why they toured with metal bands. It's a long song at six six minutes forty three seconds, and they're, this one's not alone in that area. That's about average for Metallica yeah. songs. Yeah, until they get into some of the later albums, a lot of that early stuff was longer. Yeah, you get a minute run up of instrumental, about yep. two minutes of chorus, yeah. a minute solo, two minutes of chorus, and another minute of yeah, yeah, right. outro. Yeah, they they filled up the time. You got to take your time with them. <laughs> yeah, this small hours has kind of a haunting guitar riff that sounds like a horror movie clip. Uh, and I just, I, I like the song and I like that album, just the sound of it. So, all right, what's your number five? For my number five, I'm going back to Ride the Lightning, all the way back, For Whom the Bell Tolls. fucking tune i'm a huge hemingway fan marching anthemic totally great bridge i mean just awesome and his chorus is great too like he's just like screaming into the microphone about you know get off your ass it's really great right i love it no i thought that was a great song too that was fun to hear again Mm -hmm. i I knew a few off that album but that one when i heard it i went oh yeah this is a good tune so i don't know about your process but like i listened to the albums in order as they go through as i do and in my car largely how 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 loud did you take take it i got it progressively louder the right. more i listened right and the more i started like <laughs> moving around i'm at like a four <laughs> and then i'm like i like these songs and i'm kind of you know you know <laughs> i'm like i remember all these songs and then all of a sudden i'm like wait a second what the fuck am i doing 
And I cranked that fucker up to 10. And every single song since then was like, oh, I love this fucking great song. You have to listen to it at 11. I tell me you had the windows open. So the 50, oh, yeah. 50 year old dude pulls up the stoplight with Metallica just yeah. blaring out the windows. Yeah, going out of the school parking lot. <laughs> It's fucking awesome. (laughs) All right, my number five. I too am going to ride the lightning, and I'm going with fade to black. Oh man, go ahead. Great acoustic start with the electric guitar in the background, and Hammett is wonderful at this, and he does it over and over and over again, and it's like he's playing this this guitar that just doesn't feel like it fits at all in a metal sound, but it does, and then it kicks it into the heavy groove. His voice sounds awesome. His voice sounds awesome. On this track. I agree. The transition into the heavy guitars out of the first verse and mm-hmm. back into the acoustic, that's that's just a killer touch. It's great. Killer touch. And in songs like this, usually, like, this is a song about suicide. That's clear. Well, and, From and, the very beginning. And it's, it's hard to, like, kind of figure out what a lot of these songs are about in terms of, you know, you can go to places like Song Fact. You can find volumes of stuff on U2 and Fleetwood Mac. These guys, there wasn't all that much out there. Not a lot, no. You had to kind of piece it together from the lyrics. This song is clearly about that. And and as songs about that topic, usually you can count on them in the third stanza of Turning the Corner like, you know, I feel all these things about the emptiness and the loneliness, but I've turned a corner in the third stanza and things are not as bad as they seem or I found something that's going to lift all my burden. That does not happen in this song. No, no, no. It it goes all the way through, and it is a fucking downer. The song is great. It sounds great, great, but man, get buckle up for that one. So a lot of the things I saw said that they were obsessed with death. Yes. Not that they were were talking about suicide necessarily, but they were obsessed with death. Okay. And also that they were pissed off that some of their gear had gotten stolen. They were young guys at the time. Like, how old are they? They're 84. They couldn't have been more than 20 years old or 22. They're young guys with a lot. After Kill 'em All, a lot of success. And yeah, Fade to Black's a great tune. This is supposedly their first ballad. Yeah. And it's it's a yeah. little tamer than their super thrashy stuff, so I guess you could kind of call it a ballad. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Listen, I again, I don't know what Megadeth was doing and if they do ballads. I don't know what other thrash metal bands are doing and if they do ballads. I don't know if that's a part of the, you know, the aesthetic of of the style. I know that Metallica started to do it on Ride the Lightning. They carried through on Master and all the way through their career, and their ballads are great. Yeah, they are. Yeah, for the most part. And so if they departed and became more successful because of that, I mean, one definitely set them apart because they finally made a video for it, and it fucking was a 12-minute long video, and it was the most goddamn popular thing on MTV that summer. Right, right. All right, what is your number four? So my number four is, speaking of which, uh, one of the other ballads, Off of Master, 
the song Sanitarium. Master of Puppets turned, like, flipped a switch on in me. I was 15 years old when I first heard Master of Puppets. Of course, I went out and I bought the tape right away, and I listened to it from the very, a very first song, Battery, Master, and then you got to Sanitarium, and that one just sang to me. I love that song. So, I love that song. It just starts out, Welcome to oh, Where Time Stands Still. I'm like, fuck it, I'm home. That The <laughs> foreboding beginning, yes. oh, it's just great. It's like, I'm home in the darkest room possible, and this is exactly where I want to be. That song reminds me of a guy we both knew in high school who may be a touch wayward now, mm. possibly residing on another planet. But that that song reminded me of him. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the harmonized vocals and the choruses here are yeah. some of the first that I that I really recognized in the catalog. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah, you know? uh, the lyrics are it just he tells a story about you know like the inside of this place where they keep people who are you know mentally unstable and you know some of the parts of the, that I really like is like when he says he's getting better can't you tell yes you know just no locked doors no windows barred no things that make my brain seem scarred it's like well man it again like those things like were not coming from Def Leppard songs like I wasn't getting that from Def Leppard sure. I was getting rock rock till you drop and I'm like okay with that I'm good with that but this is like a different level of like oh wait a second there's another level of like morose we sure. get to right and this is pre-Alice in Chains so like right. this kind of like set this this is the bedrock for that foundation being set on top of a lot of the self-loathing bullshit that young teenage boys go through <laughs> right. maybe I'm alone in that I don't know <laughs> <laughs> alright my number four I am going to the Black Album and it is Sad But True Great riff. Great riff. Great riff. Great riff. The total dead stops in this song are really cool. Like, they just come to a screaming halt and and start it up again. And Lars just pounds on that snare drum. Yeah, right. Bringing you back in. And they do it twice. Yeah. Oh, it's great. The reverb overlapped with the the words. You know, when he's singing, I'm your life, I'm the one who took you there. He says hate and 
pay and hey, yeah. and they just let the <laughs> reverb kind of double yes. it up. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's a yeah. sweet effect. And they do that in concert. They put that effect on it in concert, and it's just like he stops after he sings it, and it just reverberates out through the thing. And right. And he goes, oh, man, it's so cool. It's <laughs> good. It's so funny. I like the classic Metallica heaviness of this song married with the sort of high production value that mm -hmm. Bob Rock did throughout this album yeah. and kind of elevated it a little bit. Lars's drums always sounded kind of like this, really clean gates, like really you could pick out almost every drum he plays. Right. Even that he, the speed he plays it at, it's, it's really mixed well, and I really... I, I appreciate Lars's drumming, and I don't know what people think of him as a drummer, but I think he's fucking awesome. Oh, and I when I listened to this catalog, I said the same thing. Like, boy, I didn't really realize what this guy brings to the band, and it's something else. Yeah, very very much specific to his band. Like, he is you know the second most important instrument. Sure. <laughs> I mean, the bass is gone. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think James covers the bass line. Yeah, I think so. I like Rob Trujillo and everything, else, but, you know, yeah, I think he's out there just to crab walk around the stadium floor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number three? Okay, so I'm going to s and I'm going to uh, the Symphony in Metallica. Uh-oh. I have this DVD. I thought it was a fucking brilliant mixture of media. I thought it was... You take a metal band, thrash metal band, and you put them with, you know, highly trained musicians of a, the San Francisco Symphony. I thought it was fucking great. And the conductor, um, when he spoke about it, he's like, you know, Metallica, not traditionally trained musicians, but it, you could have fooled me because they know exactly what they're hearing and what exactly, you know, what exactly fits with their song. And I was just here to emphasize their songs. And it's fucking awesome. I loved it. Um, I want to circle back around to that topic, but um, off of S uh, off of S and M is a song uh, that I don't I haven't seen on any other uh, album of theirs, and it might be on GarageBand. I don't know, uh, but it's called No Leaf Clover. It's a great song. It's got, again, great lyrics. It's about, you know, he's talking about, you know, when um, he's talking about what a good day it is to be alive. And then he sees when you when you see the, 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 the light at the end of your tunnel, it's a freight train coming your way. It's just a great <laughs> lyric. It's like, yes, yes, that's exactly what life is like. Like, ah, oh, finally, there's some relief in the distance. Like, holy shit, it's another fucking train coming my way. Oh, my God. But I love this song. It's a great song. And it's like one of those songs we talked about the length of Metallica songs. You need a lot of stamina yep. to get through six minute song after six They're minute song. They're not Spanish peanut tunes. I judge this because I loved, really, I do. I love all these songs. I really do. I grew up with them. It was a part of my formative years, especially the Justice album. You know, right. um, I judged it as like, do now, do I listen to this song the whole way through? And I can't say that about Master, although I love that song. I can't say that about Master. I'm looking for the fast forward button. <laughs> but No Leaf Clover is one of those songs, like, the whole way through. It's great. I love it. It's interesting that you had that opinion on that album, because to me, it totally flipped in the other direction. Like, I thought them playing with an orchestra was bullshit. Like, you didn't like I, it? I didn't like it. No. I thought, you're a fucking metal band. 
Right. Get the violins out of here. Now they put violins and other songs yeah. in the background mm-hmm. as a as a like a an affect to the to, to various parts of it. But you didn't have the whole symphony going behind it. So I didn't like that aspect of their catalog. How much of a chance did you give it? Did you give it another chance? Did you give it another listen to? It? No, not really. I would encourage you to do so because you might have, you might change your opinion. I'm always a big fan of artists, and I can count these guys as artists. Yeah. I'm always a big fan of them taking like what makes their bread and butter and then completely flipping it on. It's like, I'm gonna do this, and it's completely different from what everybody expects from me. And it's a challenge. It's a it's a it's them walking the plank and just see let's just see you know what it's almost like you know what happens if i stick this fork in the electric socket you know or you know it's kind of like you never know what could happen or come out of it now again they they did it a second time they did it i think 10 years later they did it a second time and it really kind of missed me but i always i'm always a fan of artists trying to take new chances like that i I thought it was cool i'll give them another snort what's what's the worst that can happen Sure. You know, a couple of people had a bad night out at the t- on the town. Fuck you, we're metal. <laughs> what you think was going to happen? <laughs> all right, my number three, I am going to the Justice for All album, and you've already mentioned it, it is one. Now that the war is through with me, I'm waking up, I cannot see that there's not much left to me. Nothing is real but pain now. Yeah, this is my number two. All right. Yeah. I, I'll preface this with, boy, it got a lot of airtime, or at least a lot of video play, even to the point where I saw the video. <laughs> yeah, right. But that said, this is a killer tune. Yeah, it is. It's a killer tune. It was based on a book called Johnny Got His Gun, yeah. which is about World War One, and the character gets severely injured but survives. And he says, quote, I'd never expect it to happen to me because the odds of it happening are a million to one. But a million to one always leaves one. One. Yeah. End quote. That's cool. And so man. that's where they got it from. That's cool. The video has clips of the movie, subsequent movie, which was made, that they had to pay royalties on. And when they renegotiated their contract for the rights to those clips, they said, fuck it, we're buying it. So they bought the rights to the movie. Makes sense. It's a creepy video. I get the, the, all the images of the guy with that thing over his eyes, yeah, yeah. And, and you know he's sort of trapped in his own body. Like yeah. it's a creepy video. And you're right, it was their first one, like mm-hmm. their first video to come out of the gate with that. It's pretty badass. Well, yeah, they wanted. I mean, they they were reluctant to get on MTV, obviously for obvious reasons. They were metal. Either they made the decision or a manager helped them with the decision. It's like, guys, if you want more exposure, MTV is where you got to go. And and I think they said, okay, let's do it. But we're playing by our rules. I'm not doing this three and a half minute video bullshit. Right. Like, we are going to fucking shock the shit out of your audience. And they did. That, that, that is a shocking video. Yeah. You know, an armless, legless, faceless guy. It's like Morris coding, kill me over and over. Right. It's fucking great. It's, it's, it's dark as hell. Fucking it's, great. It works. And the, like I said, the stamina that you need for this song. There's a lot long breakdown yep. at, the, at the end of this song mm-hmm. I'm there for all of it uh-huh. Kirk Hammett his skill as a guitar player Hammett so I've heard this through a number of their songs and you're probably not going to like this but I am getting a ton of Eddie Van Halen out of Hammett's solos
combines a couple of chords with some finger taps on this, and I went, huh? That's Eddie. Yeah. And he doesn't name him as an influence. No. <laughs> he doesn't name him no, as an influence. But boy, there's a lot of mirror work going on in there that, that sounded very familiar to me. And it's that, that fast pacing, it's not finger tapping. That's him picking it. That's how good he is. Well, and that's... He, he picks that shit. Regardless, though, it sounds very, very similar. Yeah. Well, they walked the earth at the same time. They did, and I'm not. I'm not taking any way, anything away from Hammett. I think his skills are exceptional, yeah. and I think he found his own sound. But to me, I just heard the influence of sure. there. The producer Fleming Rasmussen, who produced many of, if not all, of their albums prior to Black, yeah. he said that Lars Ulrich, when they get to the darkness imprisoning me section, yeah. and it goes into the heavy double bass kicks. Mm-hmm. Lars Ulrich did that in one take. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. killer. That is killer shit. That's such a great breakdown. Yeah. Absolute horror. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> I love it. I guess they were convinced to pare this song down from over seven minutes to like under five in order to get a radio version. And Ulrich, at points in his career or you know, sometime after that, was asked about them selling out. And he responded, yeah, we sell out everywhere we play. Mm-hmm. I, that's good snark. Yeah. That's He's a snarky guy. Yeah. You he, know. Is, he is. Just look at his comments around Napster and, and whatnot. Yeah. He is. He didn't take a lot of shit off anybody. All right. So, what is in your fantasy concert lineup? Do you want to go first? I went first last time. Okay. I will go first. I have two, and I have a feeling I might snipe you on this one because I thought you might snipe me. Hmm. But if we're going to see Metallica, you might as well see Megadeth. Subdue but never tame me. It gives me a migraine headache. Sinking down to your level. Yeah, no. 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 Kirk, I'm telling you, I don't know one Megadeth song. Sure you do. I know Peace Sells with Who's Buying. You know the one that I sing all the time. Hello, me. (laughs) Meet the real me. (laughs) God damn. No, that's that's as far as I'm concerned, that's your song. I don't know anything about that song. I swear to God, I don't. Well, after you listen to this episode, you'll know more. <laughs> What's up? What is that song? I don't know. That's all I know is that part. <laughs> it always made me laugh. Yeah, what a goofy ass fucking song. I can't. I can't. I mean, I, I, listen. It wasn't their biggest. Their biggest was uh, I'm blanking on what it what it was, but it's the one that that's the one I like. I mean, I I, I know their their album covers like right. rusted rusted peace. <laughs> it was hokey. It was all part of that hokey metal era, though. Well, they were trying to steal away. Uh, I think that they had a, a a band mascot like Eddie. Yeah. from Iron Maiden. Right, right. And it just Eddie. It's, you're not going to duplicate Eddie. No, stop. No. So the other <laughs> the other band I want to see. Is uh, is System of a Down? <laughs> Just to hear that one goofy ass song. Wake up! Make up! <laughs> he wanted to. 
It's uh, yeah, that's that's some late uh, early two thousand shit that I just can't get down for, man. <laughs> it's not exactly metal, but it kind of falls into oh, that no, operatic yeah, yeah, metal yeah. vein. Just falling just outside of Limp Bizkit territory, yeah, right, you'll right. find you're, system you're, you're of a touching down. on the edge of it. Yeah, you and Limp Bizkit can go that way. <laughs> not Limp Bizkit. Uh, who's that fucking band with uh, Chester? Just Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to ask kickers. All of them. Okay. I wanted ass kickers on the lineup, and here's what I've got. Of course, I've got Metallica, but we're going to preface their reign as ass kickers with a little Dio. Yeah. Bringing back Ronnie James. Okay? Yes. We're going to put Viv Campbell back on the lead. Sure. All right, steal him back from Def Leppard. Steal Leopard. him from Leopard. And <laughs> put him back on the lead. And we're going to do a little Dio. And then somebody who really needs to have their due given to them as a, as a super ass kicker, Joan Jett. Oh, that's an interesting matchup. Yeah, Joan Jett. Not the not the I Love Rock and Roll Joan Jett, but pre-I Love Rock and Roll. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, that I Love Rock and Roll, listen to that guitar and those drums and the way they come in. That's ass-kicking stuff, and I'm all for it. Joan Jett's awesome. I, th- I agree. She, yeah. she seems like her history with music is amazing. She's like great. She was in one of the very early all-female bands. Yeah. I don't think she was first. I think there was a couple more before her. Was it the Runaways? She might have been. I'm blanking on where she was. But I saw something from another band that was in like even the early 70s. That yeah. was, I think, all women. But I have a lot of respect for Joan Jett. Yeah. That can't be an easy road to hoe as a woman. No, it's And not. she was also, the band that she was in originally, she was in with, um, uh, she became a metal, blonde woman that was uh, a metal artist. Lita Ford? Lita Ford. Yeah. She was in Lita Ford was in the same band. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was the Runaways. Yeah, I think it is the Runaways. But uh, the Blackhearts, that's an ass kicking band. It's good. And she was a great front woman for it. And that I Love Rock and Roll is a fucking slingshot back to fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it was really like, again, like a, a large, de- a, a vast departure from, you know, a male front men. Sure. Like, can, can women really rock? I'm like, yeah, this one does. Right. She was awesome. She right. still is, and she's still touring. All right, what is your number two? All right, so I've got number two going. Oh, my number two is one. Ah, that brings me to my number my brain two. brain almost broke saying that, Satan. It's fucking Friday, <laughs> goddammit. My number two, I am going back to the Black Album, and it is Wherever I May Roam.
This fucking song has such an infectious groove to me. Yeah. Heavy groove, it drops into like a halftime on the snare hits once he starts singing. Hetfield sounds great. You mentioned earlier that you liked Hetfield because you can understand his lyrics. Mm -hmm. This one is a great example of that. Like, you can hear pretty much every word he's saying. And they drop these, like, cool percussion effects throughout that are a little overproduced. It's not quite their normal sound. And I think they've headed in that, you know, the direction that Bob Rock has pointed them in. There's a great, like, wah-wah effect in the guitar solo. Mm -hmm. It's got a great example of... Hetfield, how sometimes Hetfield goes just a little over the top. Yeah. Uh, and, and when it gets to that point, you're like, that's totally Hetfield over the top. And you either like it, or if you listen to some of his later stuff, you're like, ooh, boy, that's starting to age poorly. But he, he drops in the, I ask no one. You know, in this one, that's pure over the top Hetfield. Yeah. I, when I heard this song, I immediately was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Just kind of like slipping into a comfortable chair. Pop a hat. That's right. Giving you all that shit. I love it. That's great. All right. What is your number one? My number one is off of the Load album, and it is the song Hero of the Day. I just absolutely love this song from the very beginning to the end. The guitar solo, the way that uh, Lars punctuates everything with his drums. I mean, just the swelling drums underneath the lyrics as they kind of hit their crescendo. It's just fucking awesome. Like the story that it tells, you know, this this kind of like people searching for, you know, their their own savior in their life. It's really cool. I really love this song. Always have. Load is kind of where they started to lose me, and that was for yeah. a couple of reasons. Yeah. You know, I was moving on to new things, and they were moving into a little more of a centrist vein. Not that Black wasn't really a centrist vein, but... Yeah, we've talked about mid-90s music yeah, in the it mainstream. Just, it's kind of... It was sort of bleh. You know, it just didn't It didn't do anything yeah. for me, and I had by that point, I think I just started to back away from them. Right. All right. My number one, I am going back to Justice for All, and it is Eye of the Beholder. Doesn't matter what you see or do it what you read. You can do it your own way. If it's done, it's how I say. There's something really cool about this tune, especially the way it fades in. You just hear the the building of the drums as yeah. the song kind of builds up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Lars is really working on the the double bass kicks. You know, yeah. he's he got that Christmas present and he's using it. <laughs> uh, I, I like the 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 messages. You know, it's it's a little don't tread on me, but at the same time, it I know it kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, choice is made for you, my friend. Freedom of speech is words that they will bend. 
Uh, there's a there's some great variations in this song though. There's you know little guitar riffs added here and there that kind of constantly vary in small ways. They go f- you know from normal time to halftime, kind of back and forth. I get another Eddie Van Halen vibe off of his guitar solo on this. Ulrich doesn't like the song. He thinks that the early sort of 4-4 tempo conflicts with what he called a waltz-like tempo in the choruses. I think it's got more of a swing beat. But I like that aspect of it. You know, you you threw a little twist into this that, you know, varies it so it's not the same song throughout. You're not just changing chords, you're changing rhythms, and that just gives it this little sort of... That's a lot of justice is that way. It's a lot of very discombobulating kind of like... You know, juxtapositions between the time signatures of the, the the sounds of the instruments or something right. like that. I gotta tell you, I, I, the fucking justice. I love this album. Oh, it's amazing. I, it's like James Hetfield is throwing 115 mile an hour perfect game. Yeah. You know, it's a very intense album. Yeah. Very intense lyrics. I'm. Are you are you done with your spiel on? No, but I I do have more to come yeah. before you head into what I think you're heading into. I am going to submit into the pantheon. Yeah. And I'm doing a double submission. Okay. And I am submitting Master of Puppets, the album, okay. and the song, in and of itself. Okay. A double submission, right? Well, if you submit the album, wouldn't the song go with it? It would, but we are elevating it to another level because that song is fucking incredible. Okay, all right. That song is right, incredible. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> iconic, iconic, iconic. Yes. I couldn't define this genre in this time more completely than with this song, but also not define it because... It is like their version of Bohemian Rhapsody. It's their magnum opus. Yeah. It's not overdone. It's not so busy with instruments running in the background that you're sort of lost. Yeah. The the vocals are on the top line. The, the reverb on his voice adds this really great effect. There's a breakdown in the center that begins with them slowing down his voice. Yes. And does the mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's sort of chill guitars, and you can hear a few violins in the background, yeah. which, which actually fit it really well. And then the higher pitch guitar starts running in over the top, and there's a little bit of a solo with distortion. It begins to pick up with heavier drums and longer power chords into this chunky section. And it's like it's, a locomotive yeah. going downhill with it, no brakes. It's been 30 years since I've listened to this song, and I, I swear I actually got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was a fantastic song, and it ends with the laugh under the vocal effect. <laughs> right? I, I mean, that. it's it's just fucking great. Now, I killed it. I'm sure you killed it. It's a long fucking song at 835. Yeah. But it's an unreal composition for a metal band to be able to pull off an eight minute and 35 second song and and do it live and do it live all the time i mean it was fantastic so you take that you elevate it to to its own pantheon level and bring the rest of that album with it 
battery. Yeah. Thing that should not be. Sanitarium. Damage Incorporated. Fuck it all and fuck it, no regrets. (laughs) Right? No, for sure. Like, that is a stairway to heaven song. Everything that was construction, how to, how it was put all together. Um, I don't know how they how long they worked on it to get it like that. Must take it forever, right? I mean, that's a complex song, yeah. and for a metal band to spend that much time. And again, I don't know how long it took, but I mean, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it took them probably years. I would to think put so. it together. Yeah, but once they had it, it was like their stairway. I mean, it's it's on that level. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you at all because it took a kid like me who was listening to Huey Lewis and the News right that mm-hmm. afternoon, and it trans- and, transformed you. And that night, when I was sitting in that minivan hearing that song for the first time, I was like, when it was done, we're like, play it again. Yeah. Yeah. We're going around Elmhurst one more time <laughs> because I just blew my fucking mind out in the back seat of yeah. this car here, oh, yeah. and I want to do it again. And that doesn't happen with every song. It doesn't happen with every band. That's the song that did it to me. Right. That song flipped the switch in me that changed me, you know, musically, right. uh, forever. But that you know has a lot to do with my personality as well, especially going in through high school. And that's why I think that justice for me is going into the pantheon because I was primed for that fucking album to come out. I was considering dropping both. Sure. But then this would have been a pretty short podcast for me. Well, no, no. But I mean, just you know, you, retrospectively, yeah. you can do it. Absolutely. Like, steal it into yeah, right. the into your. Pantheon. That's why I didn't pick anything off of me. Because yeah. I, that, that was everything. I listened to that from start to finish. I knew almost all the words. Uh-huh. I knew every entry point of the drums or the guitars, and I was, you know, air, air guitaring and air drumming all of it. I was sitting in my they're great room like they're great. I was the same way with Justice, and we played Justice a lot. Yeah. I, Justice more, was great too. Yeah, way more than I remember playing Master, like the whole album. But I don't know, man. We played we played Metallica, these two albums in particular. A lot. We played them a lot. And then when the Black album came out in college, like well, our bandwidth, you know, was certainly wide enough to fill it f- to fit in Metallica because Metallica was played at parties a lot. A too. lot. Yeah. Well, they'd a gotten lot. mainstream by that point, and it worked. But it was great. It was great. It was great. Music. Absolutely. So I mean, they got. Boom, with Master, Justice, and the Black Album, and I would even throw in Ride the Liking, because that's a great fucking album. Great album. Great album. I mean, these guys are, these guys are top of the tops. <laughs> All right. We're going to have a lot if of long... If, if they're that good. Yeah, Kentucky Rick is going to get busy. <laughs> that's right. If they're that good, then what is your most hated? Oh, two by four, off of load. <laughs> what Blues? <laughs> Don't think so. I don't even know who who even let that one in the door. Check that one out. That's oh, like all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck? Goodbye. When I listened to Load, I said, wait a minute, I'm hearing country western. I'm hearing <laughs> yeah, the Eagles. Of, yeah, a lot of. And I came to a song called Hero of the Day, and I'm like, what the fuck is Hetfield channeling here? Like this is just That's it's off kilter. It's 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 bad. It was just really off kilter, and it's not their original sound. It's not even like they're, you know, you, you said that the the SNL albums were 
you know, they were they were kind of going on a limb. Well, they went out on a limb here, and it really didn't fucking work. Like, it was just awful. I, I guess I like the, the growth and the departures that these bands decided to make. It is their artwork that is before us here, and Kill 'Em All begins at a, you know, kind of like a very garage-sounding band, and they, they course through the highly produced albums of Justice and the Black album, and I think they were branching off into different things, and some things on load did not work, like 2 by 4 and other things, for me, they worked a lot, and I, I really loved that Hero of the Day. Did you name Hero of the Day earlier as one of your top? It's my number one. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, fuck, I didn't even see that in my notes. <laughs> That's all right. That's <laughs> all right. We'll leave that in there. Yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> that's the nature of this thing, right? No, but I see what you're saying. Like, you're still stuck in the, this is a metal band. They're the best metal band that ever was to do it. Why don't you just do metal? And I'm saying, like, well, they did it really well, and they just branch off into other things. And I give, you know, like, credit to artists that will branch off and do things with a symphony, or they'll do things with... And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes right. they try to write a blues song, like, two by four, and it doesn't fucking work. Right. And I don't want to hear that. But the other stuff, you know, if it's good, I'll, I'll credit them for it. I'll also throw Nothing Else Matters into this mix. Whiny, melodramatic. Wow, you know, that's, that's rough criticism. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give it to him. You know, it was the long. So, nothing else matters. Is going on your most hated, uh, or yeah, into the mix? It's into the it's into the mix of, of most hated. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So they had Unforgiven on we're, that We're album. getting into get off my lawn territory <laughs> with you. <laughs> I've, I've been on the road for eight fucking days straight. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, it was along the lines of Unforgiven, like that was the other song they had in that speed. But I liked Unforgiven. Right, okay. I thought Unforgiven was good. Both of them sounded kind of like they should have been in a movie, but nothing else matters to me was was worse. I don't know. It was the harmonies didn't quite fit for them. And okay. you know, it was super mainstream. I get it. Whatever. You know, it was what it was. But I, when I listened to it, I was like, I remember skipping that song. When I had this album and I would listen to it, I'd, I'd pop past. And you get right into The God That Failed? Yes. Yeah. The healing hand <laughs> held back by the deepened nail? <laughs> it's a great lyric. <laughs> i got to stop taking these fucking road trips. <laughs> All right, what's your coolest four seconds? There's a ton in here, man. There's a lot. Uh, but I had nothing else matters solo. I thought it was fucking great. <laughs> But I will, I will say this. My favorite solos of his are the solo that I really like of Kirk Hammett's is the solo he does in Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. 
it's a minute long that's all it is um but it's man he packs a ton of shit in there and it's really um it's really exemplary of the skill that he has as as a solo crafter now that's not really evidence in the first couple of albums here but really when he starts to grow into his own musicianship like he really starts to become quite quite an exemplary soloist okay yeah i i agree that that his solo work I, I have a hard time, you know, putting criticism on anything he does as far as a solo goes. Unforgiven, I actually really like. There's there's a, a mood and a feel to it that I think is is really good. I had the intro to Battery. classic guitar you know you feel like you should be reclined eating grapes in nero's chamber (laughs) while that guitar is playing and then of course it kicks into battery it's great battery um the also um the uh the blackened lee track off of justice when he i think they're channeling their inner dylan when they they list off the song they list off the things like opposition yes <laughs> it's all the worst words you yeah, can right. string together. Dies. <laughs> <Brother dies. laughs> Termination. <laughs> Expiration. <laughs> it's like cancellation, human race. It's like what take it easy, James. Take it fucking easy. <laughs> well, they were all going through divorces when they yeah. recorded oh. the black album, so it could be that some of that was was building up to severe that alcoholism, <laughs> yeah. a lot of shit that's bad. Right. But you know what? I remember being drunk at a party somewhere, like chanting these words oh, totally. with my mates right. and earnestly believing them. <laughs> yeah. Cancellation yeah. human race. Right. I'm on board. <laughs> Actually, halfway through Black, and that, when they get into that part, right, like right before that, the, the bass and the guitar fall into sync. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's an intense album. It's an intense, it's an intense album, intense like, song. If you haven't listened to Justice lately, and you were once called yourself a Metallica fan, listen to it again. It it is it's good for us. I mean, it just washed me back yeah. to like high school. Yep. Like, oh yeah, that we must have listened to that fucking album all the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> the only thing we could agree on that and Guns and Roses. <laughs> I also had the intro to Wherever I May Roam. 
like the electric sitar in that <laughs> it's very heavy metal yeah it's very very metal but that's also why i like Hammett because he can he can steer away from that shit and bring it right back in like how do you put a sitar in a fucking metal song and he did and it worked okay i'm not arguing <laughs> uh the chorus for bleeding me speaks about getting caught under the wheels it's it's really an awesome like when you play you probably don't recognize it now but when when he's he's like he's almost screeching the verse like caught under the wheels like it, it, it's basically like you know fucked again here we are we're fucked again i got caught under the wheels of like this life and it's like it's and, and like i'm bleeding me it's, right it's it's really great i love it i love that that part of the chorus or the chorus from that song i love it you mentioned saint anger before Ulrich kicks off like a metric fuckload of kick drums. It's just, (laughs) it's crazy. Running through a room of kick drums. Yeah, right. Like a centipede running through a kick, you know, kick drum room. <laughs> the rest of the song fucking blows. Yeah, down. I mean it's terrible. Well, that album was put out in 2003, and that was during right as so they did a documentary called um, Some Kind of Monster, which I really you know recommend. It's a really good insight at like what does a successful like a fuck ton successful band do as a follow up. And then when your band and your people in the band start falling apart, James Hetfield goes through, you know, his alcohol withdrawal or addiction. They they film his breakdown. Like they film the disintegration of Metallica as they're trying to get off the get a new bass player in and right. trying to get all this shit together. Bob Rock comes back in. That documentary is really awesome. It's 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 really a cool look at like the band. They bring in this fucking band therapist and James Hetfield <laughs> is not having any of it because he's an alcoholic and he sure. hasn't gotten treatment yet. And then if they take like a six month break and then they recome but they come back together and James is like, you know, this very zen kind of like, no, okay, I'll talk to the psychologist and and then he just fucking erupts once after the. I mean, it's really good. It's really good. I'll but check it out. the The album sucks. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just i I didn't like anything off of it. Really, uh, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah. All right, Sisters of Mercy. 
Do you want more? I like these guys, man. I I really do like Metallica as as like performers and artists and individual guys. I've listened to a lot of their interviews. Now they're they're a lot more introspective on you know we used to be dicks, we used sure. to be alcoholics, we used to be all this, and now that you know they're elder statesmen of of rock and roll, and uh, you know they fit the crown well, yeah. and uh, I like them. And, and they've, I, cl- they've cleaned up too. Yes. You know, I yeah. think they've all been through rehab probably a few times. Yeah. And I've heard him say in Hetfield say in interviews, like, I stopped, I, I don't touch alcohol anymore. And I know, yeah. you know, they, they've had other things. It looks like they've well, kind of steered clear of. You remember that they, that when he had that awful burn, uh, when they oh, were yeah. doing the, the Metallica stage. Guns yeah. N' Roses tour in Montreal, he got burned because he stood next to a, an explosive pot that burned his half of his fucking body off. Yeah. And that's where he got di- addicted to painkillers and then the booze kicked in. And that was, that That was I want to say that was the Black Album and Use Your Illusion tours together. Yeah. And of course, Axel had to make it about himself that night and cause a riot. <laughs> what a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna leave that in. <laughs> I use that word like the Brits use it. I'm 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 bringing it back old school. No, I'm with you. That you know, I had more fun listening to both Master and Justice, as well as some of the other stuff. You know, some of the songs off of Black really really hit me. Yeah, and you know, I I know I when the song came out, I was a fan of Enter Sandman, and I listened to it. I'm like, oh my god, is this song overplayed and, uh, yeah. and kind of trite and yeah. That's a song that just, I always got it. I understood why it was popular, but it wasn't really my favorite off that album. You could bang to it, but like, you know. I, I think I'm in your camp here was like, you're hearing it on the radio all the fucking time. Right. And and, and if you like, were just geezed out of your mind, someone would yeah. throw it on and you're like, well, it's got that dum 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 boo, you know. Yeah. That kind of got you into it. Yeah, exactly. And Just leave it on for sad but right. true. Just leave it one more song. Yeah, right. Skip, skip through this so we can get to the next one. The lyrics were originally about crib death. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Rock was like, uh, maybe you want to try something a little less morbid. <laughs> Which he did. Jesus. But they actually, the the riff that, you know, and it goes, oh. it, 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 it repeats like, Three times, then it goes into the rundown. Yeah, yeah. Originally, when Hammett wrote the riff, he had those three or four notes immediately into the rundown, and that repeated. Lars Ulrich heard it, and he went, nah, repeat that one three times, and then go into the rundown. And you think about that, and you're like, wow, that's kind of cool. How yeah. That little tweak, like how different did that make the song? Everything. Because it kind of built it, built it, yeah. built it, and then goes into the resolution. And then he can yell about crib death. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, where do you put Hetfield in the vocalist categories? You put him top 100? Do you want James Hetfield to sing Journey songs? Is that what we're asking? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or Steve Perry to sing Metallica songs? Yes. (laughs) Now that would be... I'll take that off. would be fucking awesome. All the above, please. <laughs> Seek and destroy. <laughs> I didn't even know how you would do it. Um, 
James Hetfield is yeah. a great vocalist. Great vocalist. Um, he in, in that documentary, it, it, uh, he's, his voice was failing. I don't know how he could keep it up. It's like Brian Johnson from ACDC. I so, mean, that guy sounds like it's an effort to talk. He went to an operatic vocal coach who straightened his shit out. And it's like, yeah, you're going to blow your fucking vocal cords out. You keep on doing this. So I will give you some exercises and different ways to sing. And now he sounds better live than he ever did. Even, But, I mean, his, his vocals on Justice, for me, I just... They're great. I love them. Yeah. I, they're great. Oh, yeah. they're, they're perfect for them. Would have Steve Perry been better in them? Like, <laughs> only time will tell. There's some asshole out there who's going to be able to dupe Steve's voice into like AI, some version of it. It would be, and it would be fucking awesome. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Cars question: Did they move music forward? I think they moved the genre forward. They moved the for genre sure. forward. Yeah, they, they certainly kicked open the door and left it open for the likes of, you know. Oh, so many bands. Linkin Park and, right. you know, System, System of the Down, Down yeah. and all those guys who I couldn't give two shits about. So, yeah, I couldn't tell you a metal band that, I'm, that I care about. I couldn't even name a metal band. Wouldn't Maybe Iron, wouldn't Iron Maiden fall under the category that, of metal? They're kind of pre-metal, though. Proggy like, metal. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, Maiden is kind of like oh, we'll we'll give them a pass, and same with Sabbath and stuff like that. But I'm talking about like after gotcha. in the in the world after Metallica, I couldn't name you a band. No, Maybe Anthrax, and I'm not. I right. know I was Anthrax. I had one or two songs that I okay Slayer. Right. I wasn't a Slayer fan. No. Again, I'm not a metal fan. So I mean, yeah, they did move the they moved the genre forward, but yeah, I don't care. <laughs> sorry i don't like show me a metal band that's good i'll listen to them and i you know i'm 50 now i'm right. not in the market for metal no who's the mvp 50 Kirik. i know <laughs> i know i am too and i've been to vegas twice in a month <laughs> you know, you're doing it right um, where are we at mvp <laughs> so i I'll, I'll go i gave it to ulrich you, you talk about a dude who must consume like tanker cars of coffee or, <laughs> or blow. You know, I mean, just the energy you hear in in this style of drumming. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's, you know, been fuddled with. It's I think it's real, you know, and when you see them live and you see footage of them live, it's real. You know, this guy comes from kind of an interesting background. His yeah. Father and his grandfather were both pro tennis players. Yeah, uh, and he is the first Dane inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Big art collector mm-hmm. too. Has a kid with Connie Nielsen. I don't know who that is. She played uh, Joaquin Phoenix's sister in Gladiator. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember her. Yeah, uh, um, but I have Hammett coming in. Is he married to her? I don't think so. I've just had I don't think so. I okay. think that was a relationship that occurred, you know, a while back and then separated. But right. Kirk Hammett coming in by a nose behind Ulrich. I, I yeah, that's that's cool. Do I go off? Do I really piss off Metallica fans and give it to Jason Newsted? <laughs> the, the man you can't hear on Justice for All, one well, of the albums in the Pantheon. Hey man, Justice was a huge success. Black Album was a huge success. I won't do that to you guys. <laughs> Cliff Burton, by I, you know, I know Cliff Burton is a you know a patron saint of Metallica, uh, but he had with that um, anesthesia bass solo on on Kill 'Em All. Did you listen to that? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's all right. <laughs> not not it's really, all right. not really clean work. No, no. But I can't say that Cliff Burton was all that clean. To be no, honest. I. Something tells me he had a lot of the things going on. <laughs> 
and then a bus <laughs> and then a bus fell on him. I think that alcohol fueled a lot of these guys' anger oh, issues yeah. and everything sure. else. And without alcohol, I don't think that you get the lyrics, the pain, the suffering, and everything that just just oozes out. Right. I really don't think you write these lyrics sober. No, I just no, don't think so. I don't think so either. And and that's James Hetfield. I don't think was sober from 1981 till maybe 2001. Yeah. Like, and I think like, again, those lyrics don't come from a sober mind. And no. you certainly not a sober mind and like, oh yeah, I'm going to turn these guys, I'm going to turn these in. <laughs> like, no. Right. Like, I think that alcohol played a great, like, like cocaine did for Fleetwood Mac. I think alcohol, without alcohol's influence, um, <clears throat> I just don't know if you have Metallica in its current eh, maybe state. Maybe not. What kind of skill do you rank these guys with? I got them at a four. Right. They're, they're musicians. I've got them at four, too. It's not easy to play. Mm-hmm. And these guys are beasts. Image, I had them at a four, seven. Yeah, man. These guys were cool as shit. Four and a half I had them at. But yeah, they were like, these guys will kick your ass. Yep. That's, and I love it. That's, that's good stuff. Catalog, I gave them a two, three. I mean, I had them up and around the three, three. They had a pretty good run of things, and I I think I like their stuff after the Black Album a lot more than you do. You pissed all over it, so that's okay. I did. I thought they were subpar. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again for listening to us. Hey, please leave us a, a, a rating and a review if you would. Yeah, man, let's keep it going. I like doing this. This is band number 27 ish. 25? 25. 27. 27? I think so. All right, we'll call it 27. Who the fuck is counting? <laughs> I'm sure that you would. We're, uh, we're getting, you know, tripped up here on some personal schedules, so if we're not exactly a month out, you know, hang in there with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.